A few weeks ago, I started out by talking to you about waiting. Well, we are still waiting. How are you at waiting? I hate waiting. I have absolutely no patience for it. Maybe I can learn something from this story. A little boy was standing at the end of an escalator. The sales lady asked, Son, are you lost? No, ma'am. I'm waiting for my chewing gum to come back. Think about it. Comedian Raj Smith said, I took a course in speed waiting. Now I can wait an hour in only 10 minutes. I need that course. But even 10 minutes is too long for me. Have you ever heard of the American prayer? It goes like this. Lord, give me patience. And I want it right now. But I'm not alone. In our society, patience is not a virtue, something we seem to favor. We live in a world of five-course frozen dinners that are ready in four minutes, freeway express lanes, internet access to all kinds of information in seconds, and of course, instant coffee. I think the reason that few of us like to wait is because it reminds us we are not in control. But life is full of time when we have to wait. The fact of the matter is, every day, we are forced to wait at some point. Sometimes for things we need and sometimes for things we just want. Statistics show that the average person spends close to an hour every day waiting for something. Elevators, traffic lights, your turn to pay at the grocery store, the computer to load and even the microwave, which is supposed to keep us from waiting for the oven. But how many times have you heated up a bagel and stood there thinking, this is 10 seconds of my life that I'll never get back again. When you add up all that waiting over a lifetime, the average person will spend more than three years waiting for something to happen. Three years. But the real problem isn't the waiting. It's what happens in our hearts while we wait. For too many of us, waiting creates a downward spiral, spiral of impatience, frustration, selfishness, and anger in our hearts. While we wait in line, we find flaws with the person in front of us. She can't be as busy as me. Or, hey buddy, you want to move up a little? There's more than six feet between you and the person in front of you. The Easter season seems to include a lot of waiting. We sit through Lent, waiting for Easter, reminding ourselves of the time that Jesus spent 40 days in the desert, waiting to begin his ministry. We have the waiting between Good Friday and Easter as we remember the crucifixion and wait to celebrate the resurrection. But this is good waiting. Now in the Christian calendar, we are in another period of waiting. The, this past Thursday was Ascension Day, the day we heard about in our, ordinary, in our readings this morning. Then in just a few weeks is Pentecost Day, the day we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit, which gave us the birthday of the church. In today's readings from Acts, the disciples are focused on Jesus. They want to know if this is the time for a new beginning. 
They are like children on a long car ride, wanting to know if they're there yet. They believe that Jesus is the true King of Israel and that they have been called as disciples to be a part of this movement. Jesus had confused them, though. They had not expected him to die such a violent death, and, then, and now he was back from the dead. Was he now about to renew the kingdom? If so, why doesn't he hurry up and do something already? Jesus tells them that the day and the hour are not theirs to know. God has set the time by his authority. Not even Jesus knows when the time will be. But Jesus does not dwell on the question, because it's not about what he's going to do next, but what they are going to do. And so they must wait, which requires patience, but also trust. We know that this can be tough to do, though, don't we? Again, the culture we live in constantly tells us, don't just stand there, do something. Well, I believe God often says to us, don't just do something, stand there, wait, be still and know that I am God. Waiting means that we give God the benefit of the doubt that in fact, things are going along just as they're supposed to go. So at times we must have patient trust with God, but also in our human relationships our finances, our careers, our dreams, and our church. We have to trust that God knows the way forward and that that way will be revealed eventually. After spending 40 days with the disciples after his resurrection, Jesus orders them to stay in Jerusalem and wait for what he calls the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The disciples don't quite get what he is saying, and so they ask him when he is going to finally restore the kingdom to Israel. Jesus had conquered death, so naturally, I suppose, they expected him to perform another miracle, but their lofty expectations were dashed. Instead of answering their question about what he or God would do next, Jesus told them what they would be doing next. They would receive power from the Holy Spirit and become his witnesses to Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is not quite what they had in mind, I imagine. And then he lifted up to heaven and vanishes into a cloud. Jesus was literally lifted up and taken out of the sight of the disciples. This upward move with clouds then obscuring sight of him is with no doubt what adds to our images of heaven being in the sky with angels sitting on fluffy white clouds. It's a bit difficult for our 21st century minds to wrap around Jesus' disappearance like this. After all, those in Jesus' time saw the world as basically existing on three physical levels. The underworld at the bottom, the earth, this middle level we live in, and heavens, the top level. So when Jesus left them to return to God, it made sense to describe it as Jesus ascending to heaven. It's pretty hard to explain a miraculous levitation in a world that demands to know how the trick is done, though. And yet, there's something gripping about the story, I think. It at least explains Jesus' physical absence even in the here and now. I know I can't see him, touch him, 
hear him speak, eat with him, but I know he is in a physical form somewhere and he will return as he left. Think of what the two figures in white said to the befuddled disciples. Why are you standing around looking up into heaven? That's not where you'll find him. You'll find him in the same way he came to you. And they could say the same to us today. Why are you standing around looking up into heaven? Why do you expect to find Jesus, God, up there somewhere? And we would say, well, because that's where God lives. Everybody knows that. We say it every Sunday. Our Father, who art in heaven. And although we know that heaven is not a physical place above us, we still talk about God being up in heaven. So, of course, the disciples were standing there looking for God and Jesus up in heaven. We do it too. We expect that being with God means being someplace other than where we are. In this moment, the disciples are more than a little confused. What should they do now? They are probably itching to get started, desperate to go and tell people about what, all that has been going on, and especially once they had seen Jesus ascend into heaven. Surely they were anxious to share the news. But Jesus told them to stay in the city until they had been clothed with power. In other words, wait here, don't go anywhere, wait and be patient. Now, I don't believe that Jesus was just asking them to wait just for the fun of it, just messing with them because he could, not in the same way as we put a treat in front of the dog, then repeatedly say, wait, wait, okay, and we give them permission to devour it. That's our sense of power and control, not Jesus's. But still, with life and yes, with God, we don't always get instant gratification Sometimes we have to be patient and trust. We have to have faith. As well, could it be that Jesus did not want them to rush off because the right time, because then they would be using their own resources and reasoning and perhaps pursuing their own agendas, forgetting what their real mission and purpose was. Now they have to wait for the Holy Spirit, for the presence of God to be in them and with them, only then will they be able to start their mission. So Jesus has gone. The light that ha they have had their focus on for the last three years has left them. He is physically departed from the world and returned to heaven. They must have been in many ways a huge sense of loss for the disciples. But in our gospel reading from Luke today, we don't get the feeling that the disciples were particularly despondent. In fact, chapter 24 ends with these verses. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple blessing God. And Acts tells us that they were constantly devoting themselves to prayer. So the disciples didn't just sit around and do nothing while they waited. They were productive in that time, not with mindless things and time-wasting activities. There was no TV then. They were a group with a purpose, individuals who knew their calling, who knew what they were supposed to do, 
who knew that God had a task for them and would equip them to complete it. And not only that, the sense of purpose came with another promise, one we can read about it at length in John's Gospel. The promise of power from on high, the gift of God's Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Advocate, the Helper. The Spirit was to be poured out in a new way, a way that would give authority and power to their message that would equip them for all they were to do. It was this power that would sustain them through all they faced. It was this power that would ensure them of the reality of the presence of God in their lives. It was this power that would make it possible for them to go to many places and preach the good news. Could it be that this was why they weren't that upset by this parting? Yes, Jesus was leaving, but he was staying. The Spirit would bring that sense of Christ's presence into every moment, just as he said it would. And so they waited with joy, with trust, and with faith. They prepared themselves through prayer and getting their community ready for what was to come. In the same way, we are reminded to stop looking up and start looking around at the work we are called to do. We need to realize that heaven is not up there somewhere, but rather it is all around us, among us, inside us. It means we haven't been left behind. It means that the ascension of Jesus is more like the explosion of God's energy and life, more like a mystery where all the holiness and wholeness, all the life and healing that was embodied in Jesus flew everywhere to incorporate us into to unfold in us into God's intentions, hopes, and dreams for all creation. So it turns out that the ascension of Jesus is not about being left behind at all. It's about being included, being filled, surrounded, and enfolded by a life that is bigger than we are. It's about really living each and every day, knowing God's powerful presence is not just above and far away but here and now. And just might be that waiting is perhaps one of God's special gifts. Having to wait really tests our patience as it did for the disciples. And I don't think it is a coincidence that patience is one of the virtues. But what if, as we wait, we don't get frustrated and patient? What if we listen to what God is saying to us at this time? What if we made good use of this time to prepare ourselves spiritually for what is to come, as the disciples did. The fact is, no matter how hard we try, we have no control over most of life's times of waiting. No matter what you've waited for, are currently waiting for, or willing to be waiting for, remember this. God is with you. You are never alone. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, be with us in all of our moments of waiting. Grant us even a morsel of patience on those days where that seems the toughest. For we know waiting can be the toughest thing we ever do, and we certainly know that in these moments now with the waiting that we are experiencing. So be with us, be with our neighbors, our community, with our government, 
with our frontline workers, make us intentional in waiting to know what our purpose is and be our guiding light this day and always. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed today's podcast. If you are interested in contributing to the programming at Heritage United Church, please consider donating via our website. Go to https colon backslash backslash www.heritageunited.ca backslash give. Thank you for your support.